Happy New Year, everyone. And um, let me ask you this question. A year ago today, how many of you thought that we would still be struggling with the COVID-19 virus? I know in January we were talking about it. And then, you know, in March it's like, oh, no, it's getting bad. We need to shut down. But how many of you thought a year from day, to a year from last year, we would still be dealing and struggling with this. Well, let me put it another way. How many of you thought last New Year's that a year from now that our health care system would be overrun and on a verge of collapse because of the spread of the coronavirus? You know, I, I didn't. You know, when, when we had to shut down in March, I was thinking, oh no, you know, this is getting bad that, you know, we're gonna, doing what we can to contain this virus. But I thought by at least the summer, by at least the summer, that we would be done with it and that we'd move, be able to move forward in life. I remember some of the church leaders during that time said, you know what, we need to be prepared to, um, not meet in person until at least October. And when I said October, you know, that's a long time, right? That we won't be able to meet and worship as a church until October of last year. You know, but one thing that I was thinking about and that struck me as this went on, and especially when the church leaders um, or the leaders of the churches in America were saying that this might last till October, I was thinking that this is going to change the way that we live our lives. That enough time is going to pass by where habits will be changed. Because I figured, well, if it, you know, it lasted from March to maybe June, yeah, it would be a minor inconvenience, but then we would just go on to living life as normal. However, when I pushed it out to October, you know, I knew that our lives would be changed, that new habits would be formed. And that was October. Now we're looking to life getting back to normalcy, maybe at the end of the fall of this year, right? And so since we're going through this, since our life has been altered for such a long period of time, habits have been forming. And there have been a lot of good habits. For example, I think our Health, the way we treat health hygiene is a lot better. Our habits have gotten a lot better. We're washing our hands more. We're, um, we're really taking, uh, better care of ourselves. You know, for some of us, we learned, hey, I could bake bread. I could, I learned how to break bread, bake bread, you know, or, you know what? Someone else could cut my hair, right? You know, this past Cronus, uh, pandemic, my new Barbara, Barbara, my new Barber is my son, Michael. He's been cutting my hair. Some of you learned that, hey, I don't have to go out and eat. I can prepare my own meals. Or, you know what? I don't need a gym to exercise. I could go take a walk. I could go out and jog on my own. Or for some of us, you might you know, find out that, you know what? Spending time with family can actually be a wonderful experience, right? And so there are uh, because of this, new habits were formed, and these are positive habits. But it's interesting. One of the things that the church leaders were telling us oh, that during this pandemic, pastors need to pre be prepared for certain 
habits in the church that are um, bad habits that we're going to need to train and remind our congregation or teach our congregations good habits to counter these bad habits. And they, w- they said that some people will leave the church and not come back. Meaning that they were saying, well, because they've been gone from the church so long, it's like, well, I found out, you know what, I really didn't miss it, and I'm not going to come back. They said, you're going to see a drop in Sunday atten- uh, attendance. Meaning that, um, you know, people are finding out that, hey, you know what? It's kind of nice watching worship service at home in my pajamas. And parents are saying, you know what? I don't have to fight my kids to get them ready to go to church. Or, you know, if I stay out late at night, am I a little bit tired? You know what? I could just watch church online, right? It also They also said that this would be a time when we would see the separation of those who are faithful and those who are on the fringes, right? And so, you know, as I look at this and as I see habits forming, both good and bad, is how do we develop new habits in the midst of time where negative spiritual habits are being formed? And that's what we're going to talk about today. And you might already have been seeing some of this in your life. You might be already experiencing or thinking some of these things that I talked about. And today we're going to take a look at, as we start this new year, how can we build some spiritual habits to counter some of the negative ones that were developed during um, the time that we were away from each other. And so if you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, starting from verse 19. Hebrews chapter 10, starting from verse 19. And this is what the author says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus... Now, when you take a look at this verse, the Jewish, Jewish people, they understood this. Because when the author says, since we have the confidence to enter the most holy place, basically what he was talking about, in the temple, there was this place that um, was created called the Holy of Holies. And in this Holy of Holies, God resided. And only the high priest could enter into um, this one room into the presence of God. And the whole high priest can only do it once a year on the Day of Atonement. And he would go in there to atone for the sins of Israel. No human being could enter into this, into the Holy Holies. Because if they did, God would take their life, right? And so the Jewish people understood this. But now he's saying that we have confidence to enter the most holy place that was um, forbidden for thousands of years. Why? By the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, until the crucifixion of uh, Jesus, no human was permitted in the presence of God. However, because Christ died for us uh, on the cross and paid for our sins, we now have direct access to God. And he continues in verse 20 by saying, By a new and living way open through the curtain that is his body. Now, what's this curtain that he's talking about? Well, in Mark 15, verse 37, Mark um, records um, Jesus' death on the cross. And this is at the very end. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. 
the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. See, outside of the Holy of Holies was this curtain, and the curtain was symbolic of a barrier between God and man. And that men were not worthy to enter into the Holy Holy of Holy Holies because of our sinful nature, because we are sinful and God is holy. And so that curtain was there, blocking the entrance into the Holies of Holies as a symbolic barrier. However, when Christ died on the cross, he paid for our sins. And because he paid for our sins, there was no need for a barrier between us and God. And the minute that he breathed his last, we see that it was recorded that that curtain was torn in two. And this is what the author is saying here. It's because of Jesus Christ, because of the blood that he shed on the cross, that curtain, that barrier between us and God, boom, was torn in two and no longer there. Right? And he continues in verse 21. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. Okay. Now, basically, who is a great priest? And I was sharing earlier that the holy, uh, that the high priest, he was the one who went into the Holy of Holies once a year on the day of atonement to atone for the sins of the nation of Israel. Okay. However, now Jesus paid for the price of our sins. He is now our high priest. So the question is, what kind of high priest is he? Well, in Hebrews 2, verse 17, the author says, for this reason, he, meaning Jesus, had to be made like them, us, meaning us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service to God, so that he may make atonement for the sins of the people. No longer do we need a high priest to go into the Holy of Holies once a year to make atonement for our sins. Because Jesus died on the cross, the author of Hebrews says he is now our high priest. There is no more need for a day of atonement because Jesus Christ has atoned for all of our sins. But what does he say? What kind of high priest is Jesus? He says that he is merciful and he is faithful. And because that Jesus is our high priest and he is merciful and faithful, we have the confidence to enter into the holy place where Jesus is merciful and faithful as our high priest, right? And we have access to the presence of God. And this leads us to um, our next verse where he says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. The Jewish people would never, ever think of drawing near to God because he is holy and we are sinful. And only one man and only one man only could enter into the presence of God. And that was the high priest. And he could only do that once a year. And like I said before, if any other person tried to enter into the Holy of Holies, God would take their life. So for the Jew, for, for the Israelite, drawing near to God was a terrible and fearful thing. 
something that they would never, ever think of doing. Yet for us today, drawing near to God can be a fearful thing for us to do in light of our, our failures. And that brings us to our first spiritual habit. Draw near to God by giving him access to your entire life, not just your successes. See, when we draw near to God, we have the tendency or the habit to only want to draw near to God when we've done something really good, when we're walking with God and we see the successes in our lives so we could say, God, you know, look what I've done, right? However, how many of us want to draw near to God? How many of us want to draw closer to God when we failed God? When we've made mistakes, when we know we've disobeyed him, sometimes unknowingly or sometimes willfully. And it's in those times we could have the same fear of drawing close to God. But you know what? God knows his fail- your failures. God knows your Failures. That's why he sent his son Jesus Christ into this world. And sometimes we act as if God is experiencing life with us for the first time. When we mess up, we are just so embarrassed. We are just so ashamed. We think, oh my goodness, God just saw what I did. But brothers and sisters, God is not experiencing life with us for the first time. He knew every one of your successes and every one of your failures before he created the world. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God knew all of your successes and all of your failures before he created the world? When he had to turn his back on his son Jesus Christ while Jesus hung on the cross bearing our sins. Did you not think that God would know all of your moral failures that you would commit all of your life? Of course he did. Of course he did. That's why he sent his son. And for me, you know, this is the hardest part of being a pastor. One of the hardest parts of being a pastor is walking the talk getting up here and preaching about God's kingdom, preaching the lifestyle that Jesus wants us to live, and struggling with that. But, you know, I forget. I sometimes forget that God knew the best about me and the absolute worst about me before he called me into the ministry. It wasn't like he called me into the ministry and was saying, oh my goodness, you know, look what Pastor Dave's doing. What was I thinking when I called him into the ministry? God knew the best of me and the very worst of me before he created the world, before he called me to be a pastor. His calling in my life was based upon his foreknowledge of all the mistakes and all of the failures that I would make. And I want you, let me ask you this one question, and I want you to think about this. 
Do you feel closer to a person when you share your successes with them or your failures? Think about that. Do you feel closer to a person when you share your successes with them or your failures? If you're like me, when you share your successes with a person, that's fleeting. That's fleeting. However, when you share your failures with somebody, with a person, and you experience their understanding, and you experience their non-judging attitude towards you, and their care for you, and their support for you, you feel closer to that person. Well, that's the same thing with God. And we are depriving him of that special relationship that we have when we fail or we are afraid to draw near to God because of our failures. That's when we need to draw closer to God more than ever. Not when we're just successful, but when we fail. Because when we draw close to God and we feel God's love, when we feel when we are in the presence of the merciful and faithful high priest, our relationship changes. And so this is why you need to develop that first habit, to draw near to God by giving him access to your entire life, not just your successes. First. Chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he he who promised is faithful. So let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Now, in times like this, when we're going through the COVID-19 crisis and pandemic, or any trials that you go through, hope is probably the most important thing that you could cling on to. And we talked about that earlier during the Advent season. But what is the basis of our hope? What is the basis of our hope? Well, let's go to... um, Oh, did I fail to read that chapter? No. In um, the basis of our hope, I'm sorry, is that we can feel the... have the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Okay, and that brings us to the next spiritual habit. Believe what the Bible says about you, not what you think about yourself, right? What what did the author say? That we could have the assurance that faith brings. Why? Because our hearts have been sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. We do not have to have a guilty conscience because Christ's blood that he shed on the cross forgave us of all of our sins and we have been washed with water, right? That's what the Bible says about us. But many times we don't draw near to God because we are ashamed of that or we don't feel that. We don't believe that, right? We don't believe that. We believe that somehow that we've made a mistake, that somehow that, you know, especially for some of us who struggle with certain things, and we've struggled with these things for decades and decades and decades, right? We believe that somehow God's patience runs out in our lives, right? And we start to think that. We start to believe that, you know what? At the start, I feel that God had patience with me. 
that God could forgive me. But over time, we've struggled so much and we've fallen so many times that somehow we start thinking that we are no longer worthy of Jesus Christ, of God. But the Bible never says that. Now, sin is something that you and I should never take lightly because there are consequences of our sin. And sin prevents us from having a close relationship from God, with God. But, being, but guilt or embarrassment of our sin should never, ever make us think that we are unworthy because the Bible tells us otherwise. The Bible tells us otherwise. So the second habit is believe what the Bible says about you and not what you think about yourself or not what you feel about yourself because your feelings change with each situation. And he goes on to say in verse 24, and let us continue how we may spur one another on Toward love and good deeds. See, once you understand and experience the joy of being in a relationship with God, knowing that you are fully forgiven, that you are been washed clean and been cleansed and purified of all of your sins, that should increase your capacity for the Holy Spirit to increase the love that you have, And the good works that you want to do. See, once you understand that you have this high priest in Jesus who has made the atonement for all of your sins, not just once a year, that you have been washed clean and that Jesus considers you righteous and that you have presence, you have access to his presence, that should transform you. That should want to make you show the love of Christ more and more. And that should compel you to want to do good deeds. And loving the way Christ loved and helping people the way Christ helped people should be a result of you experiencing that transformation that Jesus brings. Right? He says, you are the salt of the earth. He he also says that you are the light of the world. And he said in the Sermon of the Mount, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Good deeds is one of the uh, evidences that Jesus has transformed your lives. Now, when I'm talking about good deeds, I'm not just talking about doing good work. I'm talking about good deeds done in the power of of the Holy Spirit, right? And we are to show this world what the kingdom of God looks like through our actions. And God placed the responsibility on us as believers to be the ones to change the world. He never, ever placed a responsibility of changing this world for the better to make this world look more like his kingdom on the unbelievers. He never did that. Why? Because unbelievers are spiritually dead. They are incapable of changing this world spiritually. They are incapable of changing this world to reflect God's kingdom. The only people that are capable of doing that, the only people that God places that responsibility on is his 
believers. That's us. And so that's why Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That the unbelieving world will be changed when they see our good deeds done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we are to spur you know, one another on to do these things, right? In verse 25, he says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Even then, the writer was seeing some people deserting the church. Now, some people were deserting the church because of the persecution. They were saying, you know what? This is not what I signed up for. You know, number one is, you know, living the Christian life is difficult, but now we're facing persecution. And what what happened? They started to leave the church. Others left the church because, you know, they were lazy or for whatever reason. But the author says here, some were getting into the habit of leaving the body of Christ or the church. But he says, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And this brings us me to my last habit. Keep connected with the church so that you can encourage others with the hope of Jesus. You know, we are living in difficult times right now. And it's so easy to be discouraged and even to be disconnected from the church. You know, when he was sharing about that song, Nathan talked about that one songwriter who felt that, for whatever reason, he gave up on his faith. Most likely he was discouraged or whatnot. And it's so easy for that to happen. And this is why the author says, do not, do not leave the church. Because the church is a source of your encouragement. Next to our relationship with Jesus Christ, the church is the next best place to experience God's hope and God's encouragement. See, fear and anxiety, they lead to the erosion of our hope. But spiritual encouragement fuels it. And so as things get difficult this year, as we face 2021, what habits can we do in order to start balancing maybe some of the bad habits that we've been developing. Well, first, draw near to God by giving him access to your entire life and not just the successes. Believe what the Bible says about you, not what you think about yourself. Third one is encourage others to love like Jesus loved and help people the way Jesus helped people. The fourth Keep connected with the church so you can encourage others with the hope of Jesus. Keep connected with the church so you can encourage others with the hope of Jesus. You know, 2020 was difficult, but 2021, you know, can be a wonderful and great year if we focus on our relationship with God and not on the circumstances around the world. Which brings me to my weekly challenge. This week, I'd like you to read Hebrews 10, 19 through 25 daily. Read Hebrews 10, 
19 to 25 daily. And this week, I'd like you to apply one of the following. Okay, one, try to apply one of the following. You know, one, draw near to God by giving him access to your entire life, not just to successes. If you failed this um, week, don't run from God. Draw near to him. Draw near to him. Believe what the Bible says about you, not what you think about yourself. If you're struggling this week because you're discouraged or you feel that you're not worthy, you feel that God doesn't love you, believe, go back to the Bible and believe what it says about you, not about what you think about yourself. Encourage others to love like Jesus loved and help people the way Jesus helped people. Don't just do it yourself. Encourage others to do that. And keep connected to the church so that you can encourage others with the hope of Jesus. Keep connected to Mission Valley, whether it's looking at the services online, being a part of your life groups. Um, Parents, encourage your children to stay connected to the children's um, activities we have online. Do whatever you can. You know, the Thursday night prayer meeting, um, whatever. Do whatever you can to keep connected to the life of this church. And this Sunday, this is a Sunday where we celebrate communion. And if you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three? 23? And the Apostle Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said... This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is a new covenant. This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As I pray for communion, worship team, could you please come forward? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that we could celebrate communion. For we celebrate and we proclaim our Lord's death until he returns. And because Jesus died for us, he made atonement for our sins. And that, Father, that we are pure, that we have been washed clean from the stain of sin, and sin no longer has hold over us. And, Father, that we have been declared righteous and holy because of the shed blood that your Son um, shed for us on the cross. And, Father, we're truly grateful for that. And so, Father, as we come before you today, Father, I pray that we would realize that it was out of love that you sent your son to die for us. That this communion, we remember that we do have access to you. And that we do not need to be ashamed nor feel guilty about our sin. And that we need to just rest and rely on your forgiveness. 
and the transforming power for you to become more like Jesus Christ. So if you have your elements at home, would you please take communion with me? This represents Christ's body that was broken for you. This represents the new covenant, the new agreement that we have now with God because of Christ's death, that the curtain was torn in two, and that we have access to a holy God because now God views us holy and righteous. Father, we thank you once again for your son, Jesus Christ, for sending him into this world to die on our behalf. And Father, I pray that we would never forget that. Father, that we would never take Jesus' death for granted. And that we, would, that we realize that we need a Savior, not just once a year on the Day of Atonement, but we need a Savior every single day. And I thank you that our high priest Jesus is faithful and that he continues to save us each and every day and that our salvation is secure in him. In your son's name I pray, amen.